Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. doing Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday the 1st of February 2021 with me Daniel Ruiz Tyson episode 306 hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going to be staying one step ahead of this nightmare this strange world that we're living in second month of the year has arrived quickly i saw a piece in yesterday's observer some commentator writing how this was the longest of january's it didn't feel like that to me i have to say every day that i write down the date in my notebooks which is every day and has been every day for the last 30 years but not so much writing down these days more just scrawling and uh, this year obviously just writing 21 the final part of the date rather than uh, 2020. Thank you. There is a motorbike. This road is ridiculous. And you're telling me that's double glazing, those new windows. Anyway, the fact that I'm writing down the date every day, every time I write that 21 bit, I just think to myself, man, I'm really running out of time. And I wonder now if being aware of that, whether that's going to make the weeks, the months, the years fly by quicker now. Just really conscious that I'm running out of time. Great instant coffee, by the way. Not all bleak. Had a, I think I've had about seven coffees today. I had four before I left the flat early this morning. And on my way back, I'd been out of the flat for a couple of hours. And after coming back from the shop, I made myself an instant coffee while I was antibacterial wiping all the products that I'd bought from that German budget supermarket. And I was having the coffee and I thought, wow, this is a great coffee. This really is a great coffee. And the thing is, back in the noughties, when I was making myself fancy coffees, a habit that I picked up in North London from my old filmmaker friend in Crouch End, he used to heat the milk up and I just took that habit from him and I would make myself a close approximation of the coffees that I'd been buying since my early 20s in you know the Soho cafes whenever I was working in the West End for Fitzrovia and so you know for maybe 15 years I was doing that and then after the nose jobs you know my nose is very sensitive it still is I mean, if there is a strange smell anywhere, I'm confident that my nose will pick it up before any other nose. There may be a nose out there that will sniff something as quickly as I do, but it won't sniff it quicker than my nose will. It's it's hard to explain because, you know, when you have something operated on any number of times, it's like my foot after, you know, after the break. It's never the same again. And my nose hasn't been the same again, but it is more sensitive as a result of these five nose jobs, particularly nose jobs four and five. They really did ch- uh, change things. So one of the things that I really struggled with 
after those two final nose jobs was the smell of instant coffee. It would almost make me heave. And yet here I am since 2014, tired of burning pans as I heated up milk and tired also of the warm milk curdling. If you didn't drink that milky coffee quickly, I went back to instant coffee and I really had to train myself. I had to get past that heaving barrier. And now I can be having close to 20 instant coffees a day and it's not a problem. But this coffee today, when I got back to the flat, it just stood out. I think it was the best instant coffee that I have had in some time. Certainly the best coffee of the year so far. You might say, well, it's only 32 days into the year. Well, yes, it is. But I'll tell you something. If I haven't topped this coffee by October, when we're, what, 300, 320 days into 2021, assuming that we're all still here, I think I will still remember this coffee. I've set the bar high with this. It was it was just a pleasure to have that coffee. Let me give you a time check. 13.26 hours today. I've had my lunch, earlier lunches these days, because I think what happened with the builders, who, by the way, haven't finished yet because there is scaffolding at the back of the property, so they're not completely done yet. But I think that... Because I had to change so much of my daily routine when these guys were here, you know, both inside the flat. Well, inside the flat, I just stayed here while they were here. I wasn't going to leave them on their own in the flat. But just while they were around, you know, on the scaffolding, in the communal hallways, on the roof, etc., I really did change my routine around. You know, if I was heading out to the park for a run, I'd try and go when they were all on their lunch break. Didn't want to be, you know, heading out there in my long johns walking past the builders. So my routine changed a bit. And then I think, well, because it was getting darker, I wanted to be out in the park before it got, you know, completely dark. So I'd start having the early lunch. And for the first time in years, and it was really difficult eating lunch so early as I've said before you know going back to my Woolies days if you got the 11:30 lunch break on a Saturday your Saturdays became so long I've never liked the early lunch whenever I've been unfortunate enough to be stuck with a man I'd always try and hang on till about 1400 hours before going to lunch so I'd be quite hungry but I just wanted to get that first chunk of the day the main part of the day out and then just give myself a shorter afternoon and then head home and even when I'm, uh, you know, working from home, I still do that. But now, you know, I could have gone for the midday lunch today, but I did think, well, that's too early and I'm not going to go running today. I'll, I'll, I'll go into that why later. So a few things changing. As you know, that's a big deal for me, given that I like uh, my routine. The little contact that I've had with people in similar positions to me in terms of them being cut off from everyone during this pandemic, just... From what they're saying, the general consensus seems to be that this is going to go on for the rest of the year, possibly longer. And I think mentally hearing that, I've started readying myself for that eventuality. Maybe in the summer they'll try another eat out to help out nonsense scheme. But uh, I didn't fall for that last summer and I'm not going to fall for it again until we're close to something bordering on the normal. Maybe next winter we'll see numbers climb up again, or maybe these vaccinations will do what we need them to do, what we hope they're going to do. But either way, it's a long road back. I just can't see 2021 being much different to how it started. I think this is where we are right now. I had a blood test this morning, drank loads of water, learned my lesson in the past one incident uh, two or three years ago where 
I'd got it into my head that you weren't allowed to eat or drink anything and uh, they had real problem getting my blood. So I drank loads of water. I was bursting by the time I got home. I really was. The nurse's uh, needle technique wasn't great today. She didn't hurt me with a needle, which, uh, you know, I was grateful for because my previous bad experiences of needles have been down to nurses who've actually hurt me with the needles. I've got one particular incident where the guy clearly didn't know what he was doing, left the needle in my arm while he went to get help. That was about 15 years ago in a London hospital. So uh, ideally in these situations, you want a nurse that knows what they're doing. And I made the usual small talk with the nurse when I went in there, both aware that, you know, this wasn't a normal situation. I was told to leave my uh, big winter coat on the hanger, which I did. I'd worn a loose jumper where I could easily roll the sleeves up. I'd gone in there with my winter coat already off. You know, I'm I'm aware that... Uh, I think they've said in the past, when I had to take my aunt to that uh, vaccination place, the flu vaccination, back in October, I think, we were told in the run-up to it to make sure our coats were off before we went in. Yeah, so you weren't allowed to go in with any big coats and you weren't allowed to wear jumpers, which was really strange. But I, I totally got where they were coming from. They wanted you basically to be ready to, you know, have that needle in your arm as you queued up. So I'd learnt my lessons from that. There was blood all over the pillow after she did the first arm. And it's ironic that I'd been telling her about my dislike of needles and uh, she asked where that came from. I told her about the BCG jab when I was 11 and how my BCG took months to heal. You know, going to a boys' school was the first year. The older kids punching your arm thinking that was funny and uh, I just had real problems with my BCG, got infected. I remember going swimming that summer, I think in Tutin Lido, which was freezing, gave me a lifelong dread of Lidos. I don't know why the water needs to be so cold, but it was the summer and I remember it was the summer because the tennis was on and I think it was the day of the uh, Wimbledon men's final. I had a bandage on my arm, I remember, because the BCG wound was so infected that my mum had seen fit to cover my arm with a bandage. I, I just remember that. Probably completely ineffective, but at least it got me in the water and I had to go to the hospital quite a few times to try and get it cured. And so I think that's probably where my dislike of needles comes from. It's not the most painful thing in the world, but it's just that anticipation. I wasn't really anxious, but when she made clear that there was a problem, then I started to think, okay, what's happening here? So I then had to give her my other arm and uh, we continued making some small talk. She was telling me that she didn't remember having her PCG and uh, I continued talking about uh, needles. I think I made a remark that I had never understood how people got into heroin because you've got to use the needle yourself. And uh, when I said that, she said, oh, it's amazing, isn't it? And I thought, well, that's not quite the adjective I'd use. So she had to go in both arms, said I had good veins. But despite the good veins, despite all the water I'd drunk, that obviously didn't suffice. So she then told me that the problem with good veins was that they could wobble. I don't know quite what she meant by that, but hey, it's done now. So I've just got to wait a few days. For my uh, results, I think that's a bigger fear for me now than actually getting the viruses. 
getting a serious illness while this virus is out there. When you have a look at the waiting list now in the NHS, this is not the time to be getting a pre-pandemic illness. It's not the time to be getting a classic disease, you know, one of those Hall of Fame jobs. I think I'd probably rather have the virus given a choice. I ventured out on Friday night double masked, which I think was the right idea. I'd read, I think, either President Biden or some in his circle last week had been double masked in the early weeks of the new American administration. And I thought, well, that sounds that sounds clever. I've got plenty of masks. I might do that. So I was wearing my W.H. Smith fabric mask on the outside and one of my uh, three ply face masks that my sister had sent me or brought with her when she was here briefly at Christmas. But it can be, I don't know if it's the same for you, but with these uh, face masks, the disposable ones, that string, the loop can really cut into your ear. So imagine having that, but double. I think I was close to amputating my ear on Friday night. So today I just went out single masked using the three ply mask from the Gulf. I think I might be allergic to masks because my nose always ends up running when I'm wearing one. And I was sneezing a bit too out on the street. I get indoors, I take my mask off, I'm fine. Go outdoors with the mask on, the nose starts running, I start sneezing. It's, it's, I don't know why that is, but it's got to be related uh, to the mask wearing. I don't think I'm going to be going for a run today. Normally I go on a Monday. I think it's going to have to be tomorrow because my trainers are wrecked. I've been drying them all weekend. I had to get out on Saturday. And, you know, as I say, my, my routine at the moment is just all over the place. The football show is making the end of the week really difficult for me. It's not it's not easy to find the time to go out for a run on a Friday. And then Saturday becomes a really big deal going out for a run because obviously the park tends to be busier on a Saturday. On a Sunday, it's a complete no-go. Just all the families are out. Saturday isn't as bad as a Sunday, but past experience tells me unless you go out late afternoon, it can be very busy. So it's not something I'm keen on. And what that tells me is that I'm still a bit self-conscious about running, which is, uh, it goes back to the summer of 2019 when I started because I was so bad at it. I felt even more self-conscious than I already was. And, you know, I'm going out in long johns, the only proper gear that I have and my running shoes, everything else is just thrown on. I'm running with about seven or eight tops and, you know, jumpers and what have you. I've got the buffer, I've got the hat, I've got the gloves, but none of it is proper gear. For me, I mean, I'm not sure really outside of the trainers that you need the proper gear. Just get out there and do it. But I'd rather do it in a quieter park. And Saturday I had to get out just for my peace of mind because I thought I'm letting myself down here because the... The three runs a week, that regime, that works well for me. It keeps the weight down. You know, I, I can be prone to overeating at lunchtime. Bit of comfort eating to get myself through this period. So I think getting out three times a week to the park, it's about right. But it became a real big deal on Saturday. Not as big as last weekend when I actually didn't go out. I was thinking about it so much. And in the end, I thought, no, I can't do it. I've worked hard enough during the week. I'll just work out indoors. But my back's been playing up a lot, so I didn't want to do more weights. And the back's been so bad. I think it might be related to Star Wars football, perhaps. It hasn't responded at all to the painkillers. So I've been trying to lay off the painkillers as well. Anyway, I got to the park 
it was an absolute mud bath. I had to run on the grass most of the uh, most of the run because you know the paths are blocked by by the walkers. You got other runners again. I keep telling you who who keep running towards you or overtaking you, breathing heavily. They've got their earphones in. And maybe they do know they're breathing heavy, but they don't care. It's all about their fast times. And also, I'd say probably about a third of my route was waterlogged. And the bit that was extremely waterlogged, I'd ended up running through it. I was, you know, my feet were drowning. And I just thought, well, I'm not going to do another complete lap. I'm going to have to try and work out what I'm going to do on the next lap because that was horrible. But the pathway was flooded. So I'd run across the grass and I just thought, this is ridiculous. Is this actually making me fitter? Because it's like wading through treacle. And when I start that route and I always start going uphill, again, that path is really narrow and I think I tend to run in the opposite direction to most runners because I very rarely, on that uphill run, I don't have too many runners running towards me. And I'll end up on the grass going uphill. And when it's been raining, you're just slipping all over the place. And I'm thinking, you know, although I probably need to replace my trainers soon, I have fast-tracked their destruction by continuing to effectively do cross countries through the winter and it's worse than last year because I'm running more than I was last winter because this is my second winter running although I would say that my fitness levels I'm just about maintaining them I think I have got very lazy I think with the general inertia that I'm suffering from at the moment I think that has extended to the running there was a thing that I tweeted about I think this was last Wednesday gone out for a run early evening and Probably, I think I was heading into my final half a lap, maybe just a bit more than half a lap left. And I'd overtaken this uh, this woman and uh, she was a mum. And this is not a judgment here. This is, I'm telling you what the predicament is or my predicament was here. And it's not a judgment on, on the woman and what happened. It's me telling you in this situation, in a pandemic, I didn't know what to do. So I just chose to do nothing. And about 20 meters ahead, maybe getting faster, was a toddler on a scooter. So actually, maybe they're, they're, they're older than a toddler. They were certainly no more than three or four years old. I would, I would err on the side of three, I think. And they're staying ahead of me on the scooter. I've left the woman some 20 meters behind, and I'm nearing the kid who's on the scooter They've got a helmet on, thankfully, and they end up falling off the scooter. I don't think it was the worst fall, but at that age, you're going to feel it. And, uh, you know, the chances are maybe you're going to be crying. And I looked back and the mum was on her phone. I don't know what she was doing, but she was on her phone. So she hadn't seen the kid fall. If the kid was crying, they were crying very quietly. They weren't screaming. But there was a couple just ahead of me, a young couple, and the girl looked very concerned about the toddler. And again, I think it was the same predicament for her. What do you do in a pandemic where you're not meant to have contact with anybody? This is a stranger. She's seen this little kid on the uh, on the ground. They've fallen off their scooter. Her maternal instincts may be a kicking in. And she looked back. I think she realized that the kid wasn't with me. So the next person she saw, I think, was the mum. And the mum still 
still hadn't seen the kid at that point. The mum was still about 20 metres away, I think. They weren't closing that gap. And I think then she couldn't help herself, the woman. She she picked that kid up and fair play to her. But again, it's, you know, I was continuing with my run, so I didn't see whether her picking up the kid might have irked the mum. But it is one of those situations because, you know, uh, 2017, one of my greatest moments of the last decade and reported here on this show dutifully uh, in the run-up to Christmas 2017. I rescued a, a toddler on the Travelator at the Nine Elms Monster, if you remember. It was a great moment for me. I felt I'd completed that circle in 1982. Someone had rescued me when I fell down the um, Arden and Hobbs escalator, and there I was, whatever it was, 35 years later, doing it for a, for a kid. It's a good feeling, but... I just thought, I don't think that this mum, if she sees me, a complete stranger, picking her kid up off the floor, I don't think she's going to be happy about that. As tough as it is to continue running past this kid who's taken a fall, we're in a pandemic. I don't think I can do anything, unfortunately. And so I just chose to run on. I didn't feel great about it, but I felt on balance it was the right decision don't see, uh, sorry, didn't see what happened when the mum finally realised that her kid had fallen and been helped up by a, a stranger. It's uh, it's a difficult one. It's another of those situations. It's a new situation, this, and what do you do? In my case, I just chose to continue running rather than have someone getting stressed out that I'd handled their kid. The trainers were, I mean, the trainers were would, were drenched. Both socks, because I was wearing two pairs of socks, both socks were completely soaked through, mud on my feet, had to stick balls of paper in the trainers, uh, put them by the heater, still drying them yesterday, and I don't think they're completely dry yet. The balls of paper were so wet, I replaced them yesterday with other balls of paper, and I think, you know... I just don't really want to clean them in the shower again. I did that twice last year and the OCDs understandably kick in afterwards and I have to blitz that shower clean. I'm not the kind of guy that can do that. I just, you know, that is a shower. That is where I have a shower. I can't be doing that with trainers. Some people just think nothing of sticking their trainers in the washing machine. I'd have to buy another washing machine if I ever did that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't think it's an excuse not going out for a run today because the park's still going to be wet. It was raining yesterday. It's not raining today. It is raining again tomorrow morning. So it's the same. I think it's the same issue I've got. And I just think I'm going to maybe have to start accepting that I'm going to need to run on the pathways. It will slow me down because people just don't get out of the way. But it's also more dangerous. It's more dangerous to me. It's more dangerous to them, at least when I'm running across the grass i'm usually the only one there it's just the surface is treacherous just something i really need to think about but it's not going to be easy to to clean these trainers it really isn't i think though realistically going forward i think running on tuesdays thursdays and saturdays is going to be the way forward for me because that football show is just taking forever and it just means that on fridays i can't get out easily I'm so far behind on, on the show by by the Friday that it's just not realistic to try and get out uh, for an hour. If I had the option of running on the streets 
I would, but most of the pavements around here tend to be narrow. And when I went to the post office on Friday, even I'm hostile to joggers on the street. You know, I'm walking towards the post office. It's a main road, but it's a narrow pavement on the way to the post office. And I was sighting joggers running towards me. And I'm just thinking, it shouldn't be happening right now. I, I completely understand why people are nervous around joggers You've got someone sweating, running towards you, breathing heavily. It's not a good thing in a pandemic. Let's move on from the running. Something I was thinking about yesterday, I suddenly remembered that yesterday was the 35th anniversary of Victoria Principal's exit from uh, Kid Cop, the seminal U.S. cop show uh, that I starred in and co-starred Victoria Principal, ran from 1980 to 1992 and existed entirely in my own imagination 35 years ago, she was killed off in the space shuttle disaster. Her character was also called Pam, as was her character in Dallas, of course. And uh, her kid cop character was killed off owing to a uh, contractual dispute that was really causing the show a lot of difficulties. And uh, when I revisit old storylines from the kid cop days, I have to say... Most of them stand up, but the one that doesn't really stand up was killing off Victoria Principal in the uh, 1986 Space Shuttle disaster. That is probably the one storyline that doesn't stand up. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available episode 306, Sweating These Small Stuff. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607 Facebook.com forward slash DRT available. And you can support this work by visiting the website DanielRuizTyson.com. There are PayPal and Coffee.com links on there and also under each individual episode of the show, which you'll find under latest news every week or every every few days, depending if there are any bonus episodes that week. Any donations come right back into this work. Do please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you use. There is a new review on there, and I do appreciate that. It does help increase the show's visibility, Apple Podcasts, Reviews are, of course, highly prized and very, very valuable. Uh, regarding an update to the feed change, I've now had an email from ACAST. I just need to get on with it now. I'm not going to be able to do it today, but hopefully I can try and do this in the coming days or next couple of weeks and finally get the feed changed to a more reliable uh, host. Uh, most importantly, of course, the best way to support this work is via the Patreon page. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT. Available. It's cheap. It's hopefully cheerful. There's loads of bonus content on there. You also get early access to the show on a Monday. Patreon.com forward slash DRT. Available. Busy weekend reading books. Started and finished a footballer former footballers autobiography interviewing them tomorrow and i had the kids saying you know because he he'll always uh, give me some critique every friday on that week's guest and he got in touch when he was listening to friday's show and i was telling him you know how much the research is costing me in terms of having to buy books he said why don't you just get it off the internet well if i did that then the chances are the interview would pretty much read like a wikipedia entry you know, it's if there's a book out there, you've got to get the book. You will get information from that book, an insight into that player's life and career that you won't get 
on the internet. It's not all about the internet. Uh, I also finished uh, a pastiche, Sherlock Holmes, that I was reading. And then actually, it's a book that was due today, but because most libraries are closed and also fines are being waived, I thought I'll hang on to it for a bit longer. It was a speculative borrow from a, from a, a library in Wandsworth. Abir Mukherjee, Death in the East. I've started Arseways with this series of books. This is the fourth book of four. And I didn't realize that. I just saw the cover and I thought, oh, that looks good. And it's my kind of uh, era, uh, late 19th, early 20th century. Uh, I like that era, as you know. And I thought, well, rather than return it, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to jump on a bus just to return library books. You know, I'm trying to be sensible right now. I'm, I'm not going to the shops every week, although I went today, but I won't go now until the end of next week. And the only reason I went today was because I was going to be in the area because I had to get the blood test done. You know, going to a library is not essential right now. Plus, I've got loads of books that need to be returned to the library. So I just figure, well, stay in and catch up on that reading, you know, in the evenings, try and catch up on all that reading. And uh, I've enjoyed this book so much. I've actually reserved the first three. But uh, let me give you the blurb and I've truncated the blurb so I'm not giving away or not spoiling it for myself because I've not read the um, the back cover, really. I've just got on with reading it. Uh, Calcutta Police Detective Captain Sam Windham and his quick-witted Indian Sergeant Surrender Not Banerjee are back for another rip-roaring adventure set in 1920s India. Uh, the story's also got this... Um, storyline that takes you back to 1905 so it's got two separate storylines intersecting with each other and the 1905 storyline set in london when bessie drummond an old flame of sam windham's is attacked in the street he is determined to get to the bottom of it but the next day bessie is found dead in her room and windham soon finds himself caught up in her murder investigation the case will cost a young constable more than he ever imagined and then it's 1922 he's in india He's uh, in this particular book. He's left Calcutta to head for the hills of Assam. He's fighting an opium addiction, so he's gone to this monastery, I think, to uh, to try and battle that opium addiction. When he arrives, this is back to the blurb. He sees a ghost from his life in London, a man he thought longed to be dead, a man Wyndham hoped he would never see again. I am enjoying it. I have to say, I am enjoying it. I've read a bit on the bus today as well. I'm about 125 pages into it. And hopefully uh, this evening I can get back to some reading. There's no football on tonight. So, well, there might be some Star Wars football, of course, because it's FA Cup week. But uh, there is no football on the TV, so hopefully I can just concentrate and, uh, well, you know, concentrate on myself, you know, try and relax, read, forget about everything. I was trying to do that yesterday and then I realized my email wasn't forwarding. I've had this uh, domain name now for, I think, 18 years, is it 18, no, 17 now. And over the last year, as I think I've relayed to you on shows in the last few months, the service has become dreadful. So in the end, last night, I just took the plunge, which was the intention anyway, and ended up uh, transferring to another host. The problem was that Friday, which was the expiry date to renew it with the old domain provider, they hadn't stuck... Uh, well, they hadn't done this thing. They've got to update the tag. This is the first time I've done this. So if you if you're transferring a domain name the tag needs to be updated, whatever that means. And these guys, the old domain providers, 
I'd given them enough notice. I knew it wouldn't be straightforward with these guys. They didn't do it. I had to chase them. I also ended up having to pay nearly £20 to renew that expiry date. Uh, sorry, renew it for another year because it was expiring on Friday. And I'm now chasing a refund because they are out of order. Uh, they have said that they'll refund me. I'm trying to get more details on that. Anyway, the transfer finally went through last night. So my email's forwarding as it should be now. But the point is I've now got two or three days of email that's missing and they're telling me that they can't get it to me. So that's really annoying, particularly when I'd given them enough notice. It's it's incredible because for years their service was really good and I like to be a loyal customer. It's the same with you know this podcast. I've been with the same podcast provider for 10, 11 years, but they're no longer fit for purpose. They're nice guys, but it's no longer fit for purpose. So I need to take control of my own work and I need to you know find a better uh, podcast uh, platform for the show. That's what I'm doing. And it's essentially the same thing that's happened with these uh, domain name providers, albeit their customer service, unlike the podcast platform that I've been with for 11 years, their podcast, uh, sorry, their customer service, this is the domain name provider. I'm as confused as you probably are right now, but the um, the customer service for these guys is awful and I did the right thing, transferring to a new domain name provider also trying to sort out the wi-fi which is playing up friday night's uh trial you want there was a a false start with that actually was that um yeah no my, my picture was freezing at my end and i uh, contacted bt and they said well that's because there are however many flats here and so and so all using whatever it is 2.4 i don't understand how wi-fi works so now I've got to try and test other channels again. It's always the same thing. Ever since I got this new BT box, because I'm now using Zoom regularly, because I'm doing this Friday night live stream as well for a trial you want, if there's an issue with a connection, if there is a, an instability, it tends to be at my end. So it's really frustrating, particularly when doing the football show, because it's hard enough because of the type of guests that I've got on tend to be older, less digitally savvy. So that pressure is on me. So if there is a technical issue, it makes things even more complicated if it's me with the technical issue and I'm the one that knows more than them. I mean, some of these guys, are re it's really difficult to sort out even just a basic Zoom interview with these guys. Caught my finger in a mousetrap as well, I think, last week. That was one of the standout moments of last week. Primarily because I realized it didn't actually hurt. I always thought it would hurt. That'll teach me anyway for um, sticking my hand under seats and because I've still not arranged everything after the builders went. I've not put everything back to where it was or should be. I knew I was missing a mousetrap. I've forgotten where I'd put it. I'm in a way relieved that it didn't hurt me. I'd always thought it would. First time for everything. But anyway, I've now uh, the mousetrap is now back at the um, well, back at the mousetrap end of the Star Wars football pitch. I'm just struggling for motivation at the moment. I think I need a creative project to help me rediscover my focus. I've said it before that I see podcasting more as something to scratch a living from. It is creative to an extent, but. Only to an extent, and it's all undermined by the post-production side of things, which is just damn boring. I've definitely clocked 10,000 hours of that in my life. Is it Malcolm Gladwell or Gadwell? I think it's Gladwell. 
who talked about those 10,000 hours that make you a specialist in something. And I think Clay Lowe referenced that on trial you want. Well, I definitely clocked 10,000 hours of podcast editing and it's just, it's mind numbing. It is mind numbing. It's not me saying this for effect. I just hate doing it. So I don't really see this as creative work. So I need to find a writing project. I'm not short of ideas. I'm not short of material. But the fact that so many things can't be made right now is completely undermining that it's putting a block on well certainly for me on what i think i can do or should do and that's that's a new thing this is a new situation it's a new situation for all of us it's certainly affecting writers i find myself thinking if i write a new script or even if i finish say one script that i still haven't finished despite starting the rewrite in late 2018 nothing can happen with it anyway it has to be something If I start a project, it has to be something that I can find that I can do within a few months that can go all the way to being made, even if it means me making it myself. One or two ideas that I've got for that. But, you know, what with not earning a bean right now and being under just a lot of pressure trying to keep this place or trying to keep myself in this place that I don't even want to be in. And uh, just a lot of my time is being taken up doing things I don't want to do. I'd heard from an old filmmaker friend a few weeks ago. He said he was going to call me the following day about making something that he was trying to raise cash for. haven't heard from him. I'm sure I'll hear from him at some point. So that's been a bit frustrating. At the same time, I don't want to be distracted by pie-in-the-sky projects. I'd have to listen to what they're saying, see how realistic it is to, to get something done now to make something. I always enjoyed working with him, but, you know, time is marching on. And to be thinking about the time you have left, but to actually find you can't do anything with that time you have left right now because nothing can happen because, you know, we need to be doing the right thing, which is staying indoors unless it's absolutely essential. Whatever I do, whatever project I take on, it has to be something that I can finish, that I can do myself. That limits it a lot. But I do have ideas. I've just got to see if I can um, if I can pull it off, if I can find that motivation and that focus. Trying to catch up as well on the football show, on the interviews, trying to do as many interviews as I can in the coming weeks. I'd like to maybe take a, set aside a, a couple of days where I can just maybe put four or five interviews together, but it's finding the time to do that research, to, to collate the questions I need to collate. And also I can't, I still, I've got the wrong adapter again, even though I told these guys I need a WhatsApp adapter for this particular phone model, they sent me the wrong cable again. It's it's ridiculous. And I'm going to have to start a search all over again. But some of the guys who can't do Zoom want to do WhatsApp interviews. I need the adapter for that. I don't have it. I've bought it twice now still waiting on a refund for one of the purchases. It's uh, really frustrating. The idea is I want to do a few football interviews so I can start editing them and I can try and I can have a batch of shows and then I can work on the step of monetizing the show which was always the idea because I just don't want to be doing any more free work because you know I don't have the time and also you know creators should be paid for what they're doing I think that's only fair if this was a shop you'd be charging for your goods why is it with podcasts you can't do that it's uh you know so the only recourse that is to try and monetize each project to try and find a balance between free content and content that has to be paid for 
but I need to find the time. And then the time needed to edit those particular episodes because it's taken me about three days to edit each football episode because often the audio quality isn't great. You know, the Zoom isn't great. Uh, the guys are old. They don't quite know what they're doing. There was the interview a couple of weeks ago where the guy was uh, on his mobile, which is the first time I've had to edit a Zoom where the guy's been Zooming on the mobile. And it was just so difficult. Let me give you a breakfast update. Well, not really so much uh, an update as just uh, a statement, I suppose, because the only breakfast appearance that Crackers have made in weeks now was the Saturday just gone. Final Saturday of the month, the 30th of January. The toast owing to a backlog of bread, I think. But also, I think just it's just easy to butter toast, isn't it, really? And uh, each pack of crackers requires different pressure on the buttering. I've got little crackers in the cupboard. They're very clever what they do with them because they've got the same colored packaging as the Jacobs, as if you're going to be confused and, and think, oh, that, that's... Um, that's the Jacobs crackers I'm actually buying for 40p. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. You know what you're buying. You know you're buying budget crackers when you're buying them from a German budget supermarket. They're more fragile, the little ones, than the Sainsbury's own crackers. And, you know, at times I'm tense enough as it is without getting frustrated by some cracker breakage first thing in the morning. So it's just been easier to stick to the toast. Let me give you a Nectar Points update now. I was also in Sainsbury's today. It was just a, a topping up, really. Nothing major. I bought several products, uh, a yogurt, some uh, washing up liquid, three single oranges, which weren't in great uh, shape, really. I think I'll need to eat them quickly. I've got some Chef Select Cornish pasties as well that needed to be cooked on the 29th. I just saw that today, so I'll heat them up later on today. My opening balance was 535. Four points which were worth uh, £3.40. I earned three points on today's purchase, which had come to £3.40. That's a coincidence. I think the last one was £3.40. I don't know. I'm getting confused there. So I've now got my closing balance. What is clear is um, I've got 537 nectar points and my points are worth £2.68. Not in any rush to use them at the minute. There is no standout uh, product that I'm seeing in Sainsbury's that I'm thinking, hey, I could cash in my points for that. Let me see if I can give you some Star Wars football results before I go. What was last week? It was the 25th. Okay, I don't think I gave you an update last week, but I will give you... Okay, because I didn't give you an update, I'm going to give you the results from... Eight days ago onwards. So on the 24th, just before episode 305 went out, uh, Besbin 2, the Silver Age uh, Season 3 champions. Besbin 2, Rebels 2. Rebels remain at the bottom of the top flight. But that point, which leaves them on six points, uh, was the first time they haven't lost in several games. And also they've done a lot of January uh, January transfer window Dealings. They've shipped out four players. They've bought in four, one via eBay, three via other clubs, and two of those players made their debut. Uh, that in that game, R five D four made a surprise move from Death Star just a season and a half after joining Death Star from Alderaan. Lobot has left Besbin, Besbin's record goal scorer, the uh, Cloud City local. He's uh, joined Rebels. He's been with Besbin from the start since October 1982 
and uh, he came on with his new team 2-1 down against his former club. So he was actually making his debut against his former club in the Cloud City and he scored an equaliser uh, a minute and a half from time to give Rebels a valuable point. The game finished uh, 2-2 on Monday night, the 25th, after episode. This is after episode 305, went out. X-Wing beat Empire 1-0. Empire, the last unbeaten team left in the league and the favourites for the league uh, based on current form. They could not break X-Wing down. X-Wing have now lifted themselves off the bottom of the table and uh, then on the 26th of January, that was the Tuesday, Tatooine, nil Hoth, nil Tatooine's league title defence continues to falter. Uh, just a point separate them and Hoth, both identical goal differences. Both have scored seven goals, conceded six. Tatooine have one more point than Hoth, but Hoth certainly strengthening. They've also benefited from the transfer window. Uh, Prodigal son, Pruneface, their old striker, has left Rebels after just nine goals in a season and a half for the falling champions. He's returned to Hoth, where he made his name. And at Death Star, top of the table, Death Star, they will be disappointed. They were winning 2-0 against Aldron. Their um, new expansive style of football with echoes of Silver Age Season 2 has returned. They were two goals up, failed to close the game out, and Aldron pulled back to 2-2. But Aldron have only won one of eight games. They were the uh, pre-season title favourites, but uh, their title hopes are now in tatters. The table, the after eight games, six games left, and the table, Death Star, top 15 points from eight games. Empire, second on 13 points from eight uh, games. They've all played eight. Uh, so I'll just give you the points. Bespin a third with 11 points. Tatooine fourth with 10. Hoth fifth on nine. Aldron and X-Wing uh, joint sixth on eight points, but Aldron at top actually um, ahead of X-Wing on goal difference. They've got minus two. X-Wing have minus six. X-Wing conceded so many goals early on in the season. Rebels are bottom with six points from eight games. So we move on to the FA Cup. couple of games from the last 16 to bring you. Takadan 2, Hoth 3. Hoth beating the second division side. They made hard work of it. They were three goals up. Pringface had got two goals in his first start for Hoth since returning. And uh, the uh, second division side who'd knocked out Empire of the League Cup earlier on in the season and also uh, beaten Alderaan 3-0 in the second leg of their League Cup quarter-final, but still went out on aggregate 4-3 uh, to Aldron. Uh, they again um, showed their mettle by pushing a top-flight team all the way. And then on Saturday night, Rebels Alderaan, a big tie. Tatooine, meanwhile, they're, they're travelling to Death Star. Those are the two big games of the last 16. So Rebels lined up. Endor Solo, also a former Alderaan player. He's left X-Wing to reunite with his old midfield partner from his Alderaan days, R5-D4. He made his debut alongside R5-D4, who'd made his debut for Rebels against Bespin. And Rebels got a deserved 1-0 victory, a goal from Scout Trooper, who's now pushed forward. He always had a knack for scoring goals, but he's now having to play in a more advanced position because R5 and Endor Solo have arrived in the midfield. And there's also a player that I bought on eBay who looks like Gattuso, the Milan player. I don't know his actual name. I'd have to go on eBay to find out what his name is, a Star Wars action figure. And uh, he's now been converted uh, into a defender and he's made two really impressive 
appearances for rebels uh, that suggests they may have uh, discovered the answer to their long-term defensive problems and that answer was always there within the club and I think that's it that's all the results I've got to give you later on today it's uh, there's an all second division clash between Lothu Minor and Hosnian Prime and it's Empire against Saverin probably tomorrow and that is it that is the end of this week's show I'm back uh, on Friday night with another Mixcloud live show trial you want 8 to 9.30 p.m. on Mixcloud with Clay Lowe. You can follow that account on Twitter at trial you want. When Shorts Were Short, episode 8, that should be out by Friday. You can follow that account, Shorts Were Short, on Twitter. And it is time for you to get those shoulders back and keep on walking towards the sun. Keep washing those hands. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson, and this week I have been available. 